Harry Potter wants a different life, uh, a better life, a life where he is free from the oppressive captivity of the Dursley home on Privet Drive. And one day that hope comes in the form of an invitation. Uh, of course, the invitation is carried on the wings, well, not necessarily the wings, of uh, this bird, uh, owl, a wise old owl, Hedwig, and the invitation is sent through the mail slot of the door of the Dursley's home. Uh, Harry's uncle, Vernon, doesn't really want Harry to experience anything more than this life that he's living, uh, wants to kind of close the door to his dreams, his hopes for some kind of a life beyond, so he confiscates those letters, those invitations, burns some of them, does whatever he can at one point. He has to uh, put a board across those mail slots to just block that so that no more invitations for you, Harry Potter. Uh, but one Sunday morning, all that changes. One Sunday morning, the invitations just start to flood in, and Harry gets this invitation to Hogwarts into a life that is beyond anything he could hope or dream or ask or imagine. Uh, welcome to Hope, everybody. If you are new to Hope, we're so glad that you are here, and let me try to catch you up to speed. We're in the final weekend of a giving campaign that's been going on for four weeks now here. Actually, it's been going on for three and a half years. Uh, three and a half years ago, we moved into this place, and immediately it uh, became clear that we were going to need to do something and think about, pray about, uh, strategize around what would it look like to expand here. And so about a year ago, I pulled together a phase two team, about 10 people who started to think and dream and ask, what, what are the real needs that we we have, what do we want to do, but we also asked, what do we want to make sure we do not do? And so the conclusion was, let's come up with a debt-free campaign where we'll ask the congregation to prayerfully consider giving so we can expand by about 20,000 square feet uh, to the west of the building that we currently have. And so in September, we asked the congregation for a approval to do that, and the congregation said, yes, let's do that. On October 9th, we started a 40-day prayer journey that culminates today, uh, this weekend, Commitment Weekend. And so I just want to remind you all what it is, uh, what are some of the building goals that we have. Uh, we want to focus on three space needs in particular. Number one, we want more space and better space for youth and family ministry. So we're going to double the size of the nursery. Uh, we're going to create a student center for Power Life and Ignition, our ministry to middle school students and high school students. That'll be the primary place where they gather for worship and, and large group and, and that sort of thing. We're going to add a whole bunch of classes, uh, classrooms that will help uh, children's ministry, student ministry, and adult ministry. And these additional classrooms will make it possible for us to have a Hope Preschool here throughout the week. So we're excited about that. If some people are maybe wondering why the focus on youth and family ministry, where he, here are the stats. Five years ago, when we were uh, getting ready to move into this building or thinking about it, moving from a gymnasium and a warehouse into this permanent uh, church structure, we had uh, 23 kids registered in the nursery five years ago. Uh, this fall, it's up to 94. It's the average weekly attendance in the nursery all weekend long. Uh, look at the registrations for Hope Kids and Power Life. Uh, Ignition, which is high school ministry, Five years ago, we had 29 high school students. This fall, 226 high school students registered. And so part of what we're like is that we don't really have an ideal space for student ministry. What if we could create more space and better space? And what might God, if this is what God's doing in less than ideal space, what might God do if we had more space and better space? So that's why youth and family ministry is a real focus for what we're doing. Gathering space is the other uh, space need that we want to have. Um, when we get together as a church, church is supposed to be relational. 
Where are the places in this building where conversations can easily happen, uh, where relationships can sort of naturally be built? There's not really great spaces for that. So we want to be real intentional about this with the addition. We're going to move Cafe Hope from where it currently is, which creates a bit of a bottleneck here on the weekends. We'll move it into the new addition, more of a cafe kind of feel, and, and specific areas where you can have conversations, small groups, that sort of thing. The third ministry space need is for worship. How do we continue to make more room for worship? And so uh, that 400 seat or so room, that'll be a student center sometimes. It'll also be a worship center sometimes uh, for weddings. That'll be our wedding venue. It'll also be uh, where a 10 a.m. worship service happens um, on Sunday morning. So excited about all of these things. At the end of my message, we'll give you the opportunity. We will extend to you an invitation uh, to make a commitment to this campaign. It might be a monetary commitment. It might be a prayer commitment. Uh, Either way is fine. We need both of those really uh, to continue to do what God's calling us to do here in Ankeny. So uh, excited about that. I I hope that you've noticed over the course of this campaign, it's really about more than a building addition. Like for me, one of the primary things this campaign has been an opportunity to be reminded that Jesus is the one who builds his church. Upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus says. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. It's also a reminder that uh, Jesus has hopes and dreams. It's his church. He has hopes and dreams for who the church is going to be and what the church is going to do, what the church is going to look like. And so we want to talk a little bit about Jesus' dreams for the church today. But before we do, let me ask you a question. You ever have times in your life where you feel kind of like Harry Potter in that scene that we just watched? Times in your life where you just kind of feel stuck, maybe trapped, where where it feels like there is some kind of an obstacle in front of you that is preventing you from moving forward, preventing you from moving into whatever it is that lies beyond? I think that's one of the things we all have in common. It doesn't matter if you're a church person or not a Jesus person or not, a Bible person or not. We all go through these times in our lives where we just feel, feel trapped. We feel stuck. We feel hopeless. God's people, the people of Israel in in the scriptures, often find themselves in that kind of place. The message series that uh, we completed before we moved into the giving campaign, Which Way to the Promised Land, we looked at how for 400 years God's people were stuck in Egypt as slaves in captivity. They saw that there was a life beyond their current reality, but there was no way for them to move into that kind of life unless God did something. And God showed up and God opened the doors to a life of freedom for God's people. They make their way to the promised land and things go, you know, pretty well, but not always. They're always being invaded by the surrounding countries and tribes. And uh, sometimes it's the Philistines and people like uh, Goliath. Uh, Sometimes it's the Midianites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Stalagmites, the Stalactites. That was my Old Testament professor's favorite joke. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Anyway, you got to pull it out whenever you get the chance. And And yet God would show up and send a deliverer and rescue them and open the door to a life of freedom for God's people. Later on in the history of the nation of Israel, they get conquered. Uh, The Assyrian Empire comes in and the Babylonian Empire comes in and they carry God's people away into captivity, into exile. And again, they find themselves in this place where they're trapped, they are stuck, this is not the life that they want for them. They have these hopes and dreams for a life that is beyond their reach. One of my favorite verses is uh, Isaiah 64, verse 1. It's on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. One more time. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. 
This is written while the people of Israel are in exile. And so this is a cry of desperation. This is a prayer of God's people that says, Lord, if you don't do something, if you don't show up, if you don't make your presence known, then really, what is the point? I got to tell you, the primary image for me that's kind of just been floating around in my head through the course of this campaign, building to a hope beyond, is an image kind of like the one that you see on, on the screen. Yeah, you can keep it there. So this is, I took this a month or two ago as I was driving into church one Sunday morning. You got the sun kind of behind a cloud or a series of clouds, but kind of bursting from beyond the clouds are these rays of light, these powerful beams of light that kind of just break through that cloud. And that's kind of the image that I've had in the back of my head. I saw this on the way to worship one Sunday morning. I try not to get up in time to see the sunrise most of the time, uh, but there are three days each week that I have to do it. Sunday is one of them. Two days a week I have to get up to get a kid to school at 6.30 for show choir, which is just ridiculous, but he loves it, so I do it. Driving home from show choir practice one day, I saw the sun coming up behind a cloud and just these you know, rays of light, beams of light. Uh, driving up to Ames, there was a real cloudy kind of day, but these holes through the clouds, and you see the sun back there and beams of light coming through. Somebody uh, on their Facebook or Instagram had a, a similar kind of picture. If you go to the next slide, uh, there was a picture at, you know, by Carl Chevrolet on Delaware and Oral Labor, a sunrise where the sun's behind the clouds, but busting through from beyond come these uh, rays of light. When we were in South Africa um, a month ago, we were driving to... Uh, the airport in Johannesburg to fly home uh, to really dive into this giving campaign. And I'd, my daughter Hadley was with me, and I told her about this sun and clouds and, and these sorts of things. So she, she points out the window as we're driving to the airport and says, look, Dad. And so I took this picture in South Africa of uh, a hope beyond. Uh, last week, when I was leaving church at the end of a, a day of work, same thing, sun behind the clouds and beams of light going through. So this morning when I got up to drive to church, I'm hoping, come on, God, give me a good picture of the sun, and it wasn't there. It was just like completely bright, you know, and, and the sun was great. But then I get to my office, and I got a text from Jared Wells. The band was warming up this morning, and he sent this picture to me. Look at the light coming right through the walls of this church. Now, the metaphor breaks down a little bit. This doesn't mean the walls of the church are the barrier to what's, you know, beyond, but I just thought it was a neat little God thing. Like, here's, here's this kind of image that's been with me throughout the whole thing. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. There's a song that we've sung every week of this campaign called Overcome. It includes the, the lyrics, now the darkness fades to a new beginning as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. Why would we lift our eyes to a hope beyond? I think it's the same thing that Isaiah is saying when the people of Israel are in captivity, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. And what we believe as Christians is this actually happened at Christmas. With the birth of Jesus, with uh, the life of God's Son, heaven was torn open and God came down to us. So now we, don't, we no longer have to look to the skies and pray and cry out these desperation cries like, God, you got to do something, you got to show up. God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. God has shown up in that life, that hope that seemed beyond our reach. It's here, it's available to us right now in the person of Jesus. Three verses later in Isaiah 64, let's read together what, what he writes. Read it with me. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. God works for those who wait for him. What are you waiting for these days? 
What, what is the hope or the dream or the, the, the thing that feels out of reach in your life lately? Uh, maybe it's a relational reality. Maybe you're just in a season of just feeling completely alone and you've been crying out for God to bring some person into your life, a friend, whatever it might be, a, a relationship that's going to add something to your life and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're wondering when's it going to happen. Maybe it has something to do with the future, job situation in your life. Uh, what career path should I take? What job should I take? Uh, where should I live? Maybe it's col what college should I go to? You're wondering, you're hoping that God might open a door to clear path into the future for you. Maybe it's a health situation and you're waiting for God to provide healing. Maybe it's an addiction. You're waiting for God to provide whatever power it takes to overcome that addiction in your life or in the life of someone that you care about deeply. What are you waiting for? And my hope is that you would hear someone say loudly and clearly to you today, whatever it is you're waiting for, God is working for you while you are waiting, whatever it is you're waiting for. God's working in you, and God is working for you. What is this work that God is doing in this world and in our lives? Three chapters earlier in Isaiah 61, he tells us, here's what God is up to in, in this world. And these are words that Jesus picks up on. Luke chapter 4, as Jesus begins his public ministry, he quotes Isaiah 61. Here's what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so Jesus spends three years with his disciples doing this, calling people to follow him into a kingdom way of life. The kingdom of God is here. Let's move into this new kind of life, a, whole new, a life that's beyond anything that you've experienced. And Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, announces the good news of the kingdom of God, demonstrates what life is like in the kingdom of God, and he gets killed for it. They nail him to a cross, and they think, we've shut the door on this, this Jesus thing. But one Sunday morning, that all changes when the power of God's love raises Jesus from death to life. And he gathers his disciples around him. And he says, listen, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and you do the things that I've been doing. And you teach the things that I've been teaching. And you love the world the way that I have loved you. You go and you be the church. In other words, the church has been empowered by Jesus himself to bring hope to the world. Now, we're a Lutheran church of hope. This is what we're called to do. How can we bring hope to the world? Jesus has asked us to do this, and it happens in all sorts of ways around here. The world around us is filled with people who are convinced this is the only way to live life. They're blind to the ways of Jesus. They need somebody to open their eyes. There are, there are people around us who are absolutely lost and need to be found. And God calls us. This is our mission Reach out to the world around us, share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, we announce good news to the poor. When we do that, we open the eyes of people who are blind. We set captives free. When we are being the church and carrying out our mission, we're pointing people to a hope beyond. We're pointing people to the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. When the church is being the church, when the church knows who we are, who God wants us to be, and we're living into that, there's nothing better than the church. There's nothing more beautiful than the church. Of course, the church is made up of people who are less than perfect, people who are flawed, 
people like me, people like you. And so sometimes we get in the way of what it is God is up to in the world. But here's what God's trying to do. God's trying to connect heaven and earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when God comes to us in the person of God's son, Jesus Christ, now we no longer have to look to the skies and cry out, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. In Jesus, heaven and earth collide. And God is here right now, available to us right now. The Apostle Paul writing to a bunch of people in a city called Ephesus trying to figure out how to be the church. Here's how Paul describes this good news that this hope is no longer beyond. This hope is available right now. Read this with me, Ephesians 3, verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That's pretty good news. Because of Jesus, we can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. Like, because of Jesus, the door has been swung wide open for us to be able to experience life in the power of God's presence. I don't know about you, there's a lot of times it's hard for me to actually believe this is the truth, that this is reality. It's uh, hard for me sometimes to believe this is the life that God has for me. There are circumstances in life, situations in life, things that happen in life, it feels like doors are being slammed in my face to the life that God has for me. Maybe you experience something similar. So throughout the course of this campaign, hopefully you've noticed we've had a lot of doors around. Uh, put a bunch of doors on the wall. We actually took four doors and we took them to different groups within the life of this congregation. And we asked them to paint on the doors, what are these realities in your life that feel like closed doors? Uh, behaviors, situations, circumstances, whatever it might be. So we went to Hope Kids, and we asked preschool students and elementary kids, what, what are the closed doors that keep you from the life that God has for you? The, the little kids took sponges and painted bricks on the door, and then the elementary kids came and they wrote different kinds of things. Homework, bullies, fear, siblings, that's the real issue. If it wasn't for my siblings. Other things that I want to point out, busyness, busy busy. Elementary kids, the thing that keeps me from the life God wants for me is how busy I am. Those crazy elementary kids, if they could just learn to keep their schedules, you know, manageable. <laughs> I, I love Ankeny, and one of the things I love Ankeny, about Ankeny, we're a bunch of go-getters. Like, let's do something. And I, I think even just announcing we're doing this giving campaign, you can kind of feel people say, yeah, tell us what we can do, something to do, and let's do it. Let's, let's attack it. Let's win. Let's go. And that's awesome. And everything has pros and cons, right? There's a fine line. And I think sometimes in our families, parents, we got to just continue to think about this. Why do we schedule so many activities in the lives of our kids? What is it really about? That's, most of it's probably good and healthy. But where do we cross that line to where it becomes unhealthy and it's actually keeping them from the kind of life that God has for them? Uh, student ministry, we went to them and asked them to think about what are some of these kinds of things. Uh, depression, anxiety, friendships, betrayal, pressures. We went to celebrate recovery, the recovery community here. What are the things that get in the way? What are the things that lead to these addictions in our life that become closed doors to the kind of life that God has for us? I wonder what you would paint. What word, what situation, what reality in your life would you put on this door that says, this is what's blocking me from the life that's beyond, the hope that is beyond, the, the God who I want to really know. 
And I wonder if you believe no matter what you write on these doors, because of Jesus, the power of God is available for us to open the doors and to bust down the doors if God needs to so that God can invite us into a completely new, better, bigger kind of life. Because of Jesus and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I wonder what the people who aren't part of a church anywhere in Ankeny or Bondurant or Elkhart or Cambridge or Huxley or Slater or Polk City or the north side of Des Moines, the the communities that surround this church. I wonder how many people there are who completely disconnected from church but still find themselves in situations in their life crying out to God, oh, that you would come from the heavens, burst from the heavens and do something, change something in my life. But they're alone crying out to God for help because they believe the doors of the church have been closed to them for whatever reason. We have six kids, all, uh, not all of them, five of our kids uh, experienced homeschooling as part of their education as they were growing up. And so um, my primary role in the Reigns Academy was bus driver. Uh, which seems weird. Why do you need transportation for homeschooling? But that's how homeschooling works. It's like you leave home and you go to all these co-ops and different activities, group activities all over uh, the world, really. So Wendy said to me one time, you need to take the kids to Urbandale. There's a church there where the homeschool group is meeting. And I was like, okay, never been to the church before. Uh, so I get to the church and I'm kind of driving around it looking for what would appear to be the main entrance, and I thought I found it, and uh, we parked, and we got the kids all out of their car seats and got all their stuff, and we walked to the door, and it was locked. And there's a sign on it that says, this door is locked, please use whatever other door. So then we take the kids back to the car, get them back into the car seats, drive around, and get to the right door. And it was a little frustrating, and I found myself being a little grumbly, and I found myself, like, judging that church. What kind of church has locked doors? What are they trying to communicate to the We don't want you here. You don't belong. Leave us alone. And then God started communicating with me. Uh, you lead a church. What are the ways that your church communicates a similar thing to people who wonder, is this a church for me? How many, I'm sure it's unintentional, how many, by the things that we do, by the attitude that we have, some, some of the things that we say, how are we communicating to the world around us that you don't belong? that the doors of hope are closed to you. I wonder how many people outside of the church think the church is filled with a whole bunch of Uncle Dursleys, just a bunch of fun haters who, small-minded, trying to prevent people from experiencing anything more in life. And so I'm so grateful that that scene in Harry Potter, the invitation just keeps coming and coming and coming. It just floods the whole house with invitations so that Harry knows what beyond a shadow of a doubt he is invited. He accepts this invitation to a whole new kind of life. I think that's who God is. I think that's what Jesus does for us. People have questions about Jesus. They're following Jesus around, wondering, is he, and what does Jesus say? Just come and see. Check me out for yourself. Check out my claims and, and my teachings and my priorities and see what you think. Just come and see. Jesus is always extending invitations. But what about little kids, Jesus? We want to keep the little kids away from you, right? They're just annoying, right? No, let the little kids come and don't stop them. Invitation, invitation, invitation. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Let's open the doors as wide as we can. The kingdom of God is here. It's available for everyone. And I think that's the big sort of lesson message of this campaign for us here at Hope Ankeny. God wants us to live and minister in such a way 
that what we're communicating to the world around us is that God loves you and so do we. How do we open the doors of this church even wider? The growth of this church is nothing but a God thing. But what might God want to do? What more, what beyond might God have in store for us in this community if we could just open the doors a little wider? Two more verses from Ephesians chapter 3. Read these with me. Now to God, who is able to do far more, abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Hope, I'm absolutely convinced God wants to bust the doors off of this place. And God wants to take us somewhere. And I'm not exactly sure where, but I think Buzz Lightyear has a clue. Take a look. Well, I don't you think they've never seen a new toy before? Well, sure, look at him. He's got more gadgets on him than a Swiss Army knife. Ah, 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 please be careful. You don't want to be in the way when my laser goes off. Hey, a laser! How come you don't have a laser, Woody? It's not a laser. It's a, it's a little light bulb that blinks. What's with him? Laser envy. All right, that's enough. Look, we're all very impressed with Andy's new toy. Toy? T-O-Y. Toy. Excuse me, I, I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The word I'm searching for, I can't say, because there's preschool toys present. Getting kind of tense, aren't you? Oh, uh... Mr. Lightyear, uh, now I'm curious. What does a space ranger actually do? He's not a space ranger. He doesn't fight evil or, or shoot lasers or fly. Excuse me. Oh, oh impressive wingspan. Very good. Oh, what? What? These are plastic. He can't fly. They are a terillium carbonic alloy, and I can fly. No, you can't. <laughs> yes. I can. You can. 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 I tell you, I could fly around this room with my eyes closed. Okay, then, Mr. Lightbeer, prove it. All right, then I will. Stand back, everyone. To infinity and beyond! I believe we can fly, Hope. We've been flying magnificently uh, for the 12 years that I've been here. I'm just amazed by the ways in which you pour out uh, your lives in, in grace and in joy and in hope and in love for uh, this community. Uh, I think God's ready for us to soar a little bit higher. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite you uh, to make a commitment to building to a hope beyond. Again, it might be a monetary commitment. Hopefully you received an envelope and uh, in the envelope, there are two cards. One is a pledge card for a one-time gift or a three-year uh, pledge commitment and to Building to a Hope Beyond. 
there's also a prayer card in there. I know some of you are maybe visiting Hope for the first time, and you're like, good grief, we came and we're talking about money, and all my you know, stereotypes about church are just confirmed. So uh, we won't talk about money for a while. Uh, come back again. But one of my favorite stories is five years ago, someone came and visited us in the gym for the very first time. It was commitment weekend for uh, Building Hope Together, and they actually gave, and they came, and they're, they're a part of what God is doing still. So whatever God's moving in you, you free to do what you want. We, we want this time, these next 10, uh, 15 minutes, just be a time of some free worship. And so I, this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. And when we invite you to come forward, there's not going to be anyone who tells you now it's time for you to come forward. You just come when you're ready to come. And maybe you want to pray a prayer. We're going to ask you to put the envelopes uh, through the mail slot on the doors. And uh, yeah, just kind of like Harry's invitation. These, these are invitations to a hope beyond. And you might want to pray, pray before or after you do that. You're, you're free to move around. You're free to stand up and worship. You're free to sit in your chair and worship. You're free to skedaddle and, and leave. You, there's freedom that's reigning in this place right now. I hope you don't have any questions, but if you do, grab someone with a name tag, and we'd uh, love to answer your questions. Uh, the band's going to lead us in a couple of songs. Uh, let's worship to God and give to God because God has freely given to us.